This is the Retire Happy Podcast with John Amarino, teaching you each episode about holistic retirement planning. It's time for another Retire Happy Podcast. Walter Storholt here alongside San Diego's premier holistic retirement advisor, John Amarino at Securus Financial, serving you throughout the San Diego area and beyond. John, it's great to be back with you on another show. How have you been, sir? I have been awesome. It is March. It's beautiful outside. Spring training is in session. Jake's uh, season's in session. So life is good. I love this time of year. I forgot you were, uh, you know, you're a pretty big baseball guy, right? So what do you, what do you think of all the, uh, the, the Astros have been in the news uh, over the last couple of months with, you know, the sign stealing scandal and their response to it was pretty terrible, terrible PR through that whole yeah. process. What have you thought about all yeah. that? Oh, I, I mean, it, it, you cheat, right? Just, you know, so I think of it the same way I thought of it as uh, as Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. You know, I guess it was enjoyable to watch them at the time, but in the end, you know, they were cheating. You know, I do think that there were more teams that probably are doing it outside of the Astros. It's just, you know, the Astros were the ones uh, that got outed. I think with that type of technology, especially at, you know, baseball's like, the hardest thing in the world to do is hit a 99 mile an hour fastball, you know, followed up by a, you know, an 85 mile an hour slider. So, you know, I think other teams were probably doing it. I've, I've read some stuff or I've heard some stuff where, you know, the technology has been out there and it wasn't really being as guarded to where someone could go in there, but you know, they were the real series champs and you know, it's a tarnished uh, championship. So yeah, it is what it is. So yeah, I feel like baseball has just taken so many hits over the years, unfortunately. I mean, with um, I, just the Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire years were just yeah. really something else for me to watch uh, as a youngster. And then to have that kind of just totally, you know, fall away in its importance in history because of how, you know, they were all juiced up and everybody's heroes were cheating, it seems. And they've just yeah. it's been scandal after scandal. It's sad to see with baseball that way. You know, and for the Astros, it was a, it was really I was pulling for them. I, I liked them as a team, and they were kind of a feel good story. I mean, they came off like a couple hundred lost seasons just a couple years prior. They really built up that farm system, and and I mean, their players. The thing that's most disheartening is their players are legitimately great players. I mean, some of those guys. I've got on my fantasy baseball team, and I first thing I did was like, all right, what were your home and your road splits? And there weren't that much different. But, yeah, I mean, it's disheartening. And, and, you know, they their World Series title, I believe, in 2017 came off the heels of the hurricane. So, you know, it was a feel-good story, but... That's right. I um, forgot about that element to it too. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly right. Now the Dodgers fans, Dodgers fans, you can't <laughs> complain because you still lost a game at home. Yankees fans, and I'm not a Yankees fan, but you know, I, I did hear you know an interesting take that listen, you know, the Yankees completely destroyed them in Yankee Stadium and then lost very close games for all four games in Houston. So, but you know, it is what it is. Is I, I can't is. stand cheaters. I'd rather lose than cheat, personally. Yeah, so. I think that's a good good sentiment to have, for sure. Well, uh, we'll get off the baseball topic here, but uh, I was interested in your, your thoughts on that, for sure. Uh, it sounds like you've got, uh, you're a little emotional, though, when it comes to baseball. It, it definitely, maybe passionate, a little bit more than emotional is a better way to put that. But, but still, I'll make the segue into our main topic of the day here in a few moments. We're going to talk about emotions and financial planning. Where do emotions fit? 
fit in? Where are they appropriate to let drive your decision making? When is it not appropriate? We're going to talk about all that on today's show, plus a really good question later on from Jerry. Jerry's got questions about Social Security, so we're going to dive into the specifics of his sport and much more on the way today. But we'll kick things off with our financial quote of the month. And uh, this one comes to us, John, from uh, Simone Wheel who's a French philosopher. I have no idea if I pronounced the last name. Is correctly. it Simon? Simon? Is it so, so, Simon? I don't know. Oh, there's an E in know. there. There's a Simon. No, I don't know. Simon wheel. Simon. I don't, I know. don't know. We're butchering it, but that's okay. Don't worry. We just, I don't know. I saw it in text. I haven't heard it in, in verbal. could be a typo that there's an E in there, but Simon or Simone or Simone, something like that. Simone. Simone. Oh, sure. Let's go that route. Uh, if you want to know what a man is really like, Take notice of how he acts when he loses money. <laughs> We've all heard that quote of the how he acts when no one's looking, right? But the little little spin on that quote. Yeah. I, I mean, I was just in Las Vegas. I, I saw a lot of people act like uh, <laughs> morons when uh, they lost their, you know, their blackjacks. You know, this is off the cuff, but, you know, you ever be at a blackjack table with a drunk person, you'll see people get really, really irritated right oh my goodness Because you know that drunk guy's completely or gal is completely blowing up their table but um yeah that quote i agree personally i think you truly find out how a person is when something goes wrong can they keep their calm their wits about them do they fight or do they fold in flight you know um if they get that bad news you know are they gonna take it on head on or are they you know gonna fold and uh my big one personally and something i always hammer every day with jake is uh you know do they blame others or do they accept responsibility for their actions you know uh, as jocko wilnick phrases it extreme ownership lastly how do you treat others if they make an honest mistake you know was it a mistake of the head or the heart and you know i think that's big too and you know kind of a, another segue right you you, you said it best too you know how are the astros players really handling this and eh, you know they're not doing the greatest job at really really owning up to it i think yeah and uh, leadership also seems to just be making mistakes and pointing fingers at others and not a not a very good reaction i don't think that's earning them any additional fans right now uh with the way we've seen that reaction take place over the past month or so yeah. Yeah. And, you know, one thing, Extreme Ownership is probably one I thought, it, I think it's probably the one of the best books ever on leadership. And, you know, I said, listen, you know, if you're a, a boss and your employee screws up, then you have to look at what if you contributed to that screw up first before addressing the employee. And if you're an employee and your boss is mad at you, you need to understand or, or is writing you all the time. You under, you have to look at yourself and say, why is my boss always, you know, fact checking me or, you know, I'll always looking over my shoulder. What am I doing to do that? So, you know, that's kind of the, the position I always take. Yeah, it's a great point. I remember when I uh, was running the news department at a small radio station uh, and I had to I, I had to fire two people in that job. The first one definitely warranted there was nothing else I could have done to help that person. The second I have always regretted in a way or at least uh, wish I had, you know, had the opportunity to maybe invest a little bit more time into that person uh, rather than having to kind of go to the firing plug so quickly. And I always try to look into me and say, you know, I didn't take the time 
to really train and to correct the mistakes. I, I have to look at myself and say, I didn't really have the opportunity to fix that, that problem. And I should have maybe done that before pulling that trigger. So it's something I learned, right. something I learned from and uh, try to apply in today's world too. When there's something that's not right, don't just wish it was right. Take ownership for it that maybe you haven't done the proper training or the proper, proper guidance on it and try and turn it the right direction. So yeah, absolutely. It's an interesting thought provoking uh, quote this week from French philosopher name redacted because we're not exactly yeah. sure how to pronounce it but <laughs> a good one nonetheless he's dead that's right well let's talk about the uh the main topic today you know um, emotions are a big deal you know we talk about them often here on the show john in in various ways we talk about how to account for emotions in our, our daily lives and we particularly want to dive into that conversation into how emotions play a role in financial planning today and most people think they make decisions based on logic and facts but the truth is emotions end up playing a major role in the decision-making process. And sometimes that's not a great thing. Sometimes uh, it is a good thing. And we're going to dive into some examples of why that is on today's show. So, John, let's start with the basics here. What types of emotions do you find when you meet with clients are likely to drive financial decisions? The most prevalent, obviously, are fear, greed, and manipulation, or let's say influence. You know, and fear and greed are academically proven drivers. I have talked about behavioral finance and the Dalbar report, which studies prove investors are irrational because of fear and greed. And they've consistently underperformed the market because of fear and greed. But, you know, manipulation or, or influence is another one. I mean, just look at our media today, our commercials, right? You have paid pundits and advertisers telling you what you should or should not invest in. And I see this all the time. People tell me why they do or don't want to invest in something because they love that pundit's show or that commercial. So I think, you know, media stokes fear and greed, especially the last couple of years. And obviously, you know, you have pundits who are paid, you know, they're, they're paid entertainers, or you have uh, advertisers that are making extremely strong statements that may not be appropriate for you, but they influence you because they're on TV. Yeah, it's amazing that that's the case, but it certainly is from time to time. So we let those emotions get the best of us. And when that happens, what are the mistakes that are kind of left in their wake, John? What mistakes do you see people making because of letting those emotions take over? Right. Well, it, you know, I'm going to go right back to fear and greed still. Uh, I've seen a lot of people who have way too much risk for, you know, entering or being in retirement. But the markets are great, right? So we want more money. That That's human nature. And the observation is that, yeah, the markets are great. They have been great for over a decade. But the markets are great until they're not. Then what? And I was at a, you know, I was at a financial planning conference earlier in the year, and the speaker made a great comment. And he said, for the last 10 years, do-it-yourselfers and advisors think they are the greatest investors because they have made money and the markets have gone up and gone up and gone up and all their investments have been great, right? And, and he said, think about it. How many people have bragged to you about your returns, right? That's what he said. And I mean, I've had a lot of people brag about their returns. 
And he, and then he said, those were the people, not so much the do-yourselfers because they weren't as commonplace 15 years ago, but the, those investors and those advisors, those were the same people that were bragging 15 years ago who got crushed in 2008. You know, I, I really thought that speaker had great insight because, you know, this current bull run we're on, you know, although we've we've seen some swings of volatility, people get a little complacent. They for you know, ten years ago, you know, people you know have forgotten the fact that there's been a lot of pre-retirees and retirees that lost a third to forty percent of their wealth in eighteen short months. So you know, we still see that greed, and then you know, on the flip side, you you still have fear from people that experienced that carnage in 2008 and that fear has stayed with them. They don't, they don't care. They don't trust the markets period. Um, and they're just waiting for the shoe to drop or they got in and they're like, you know, they've been, been listening to pundits who have been yelling chicken little and the markets are going to drop and drop and they hurried up and they got out and they've been sitting on the sidelines. And, you know, unfortunately they've missed out on opportunities to, you know, grow their money also. Yeah, it's a big issue, a fear and definitely, um, you know, greed being two of the things that are tied together. And that is a really good point to make, John. Are there times, though, when it's appropriate? I kind of teased this earlier when we can let those emotions get into our decision making process. We know we have to be wary of it, but when do they lead that process from time to time? So I think you should plan for those factors and let them guide you. For example, if you are newly retired and have a majority of your portfolio in stocks and a risk analysis shows that you could lose half your wealth or your life savings and that gives you fear, then you know you should back off a little bit. You, you should not be so heavily invested in stocks. And so we try to control or temper the emotions when it comes to investing. Now. In reality, to say you're never going to have emotions, that's never going to be a case. I, I think that's that's not ever going to happen. Um, you know, we're emotional people, period. But if we can try to control and temper that, then that at least you know alleviates our urge to make ir irrational decisions based on those emotions. The other area where I can see emotions dictate in financial decisions, but in an appropriate manner is clients that see hardships of others, right? Family or friends. They're emotionally affected because of what they're seeing people they care about going through. You know, whether that is, you know, their parents lost a lot of money in a 2008 uh, market or they ran out of money in retirement or they had to put a loved one or friend in a nursing home or a sudden death of a loved one. Oftentimes, this is a major driving force for people to get their affairs in order and address the issues that happen to their loved ones. They've already experienced it through their loved ones. They don't want that to happen to them. So I think that is really the one appropriate time to factor in those emotions when we're trying to alleviate a hardship that, you know, maybe they experienced through what they saw from a loved one or a friend. 
it's interesting to think about it that way, I think. And, um, you know, I always ask you for examples here on the show. I think it's just so helpful to learn from folks who have gone through these kinds of situations. Certainly all the clients you've met over the years, John, will, you know, have situations where they've had emotions play a big role in their conversation about retirement and their financial life. Can you give us a time, uh, an example of a time where you helped somebody construct that plan that made sense mathematically, but also met the emotional needs, the emotional side? Right. Well, uh, there was one of my clients there, higher net worth. And the reason why I bring up the net worth part is because, you know, they could, based with their lifetime, it was an extravagant lifestyle. So they could actually have some risk and, and still be fine, you know, in a Monte Carlo type of world. But they had a specific set of goals they wanted to accomplish. And I'm not going to go into all the details, but they had a good idea of what they wanted and more importantly, why they wanted it and why it was important to them. And that, that was a real strong foundation piece of our planning. Now, I love the mathematically part because I believe every plan must be mathematically and scientifically proven to give you the highest probability of success, to have the peace of mind and the ability to retire happy, right? That sounds like a, a podcast title, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, we should uh, change our name to that. Oh, wait a second. <laughs> Trademark it. Trademark. <laughs> so in this client's case, they had been with me for a couple of years and they, they had a couple million dollars in assets and a couple of kids. And we developed our plan with them which had a foundation focused on maximizing their income. And we simplified things for them and they felt empowered. They understood the plan. They felt comfortable with it. They loved it. So during a review in late 2018, which was not a good investment year, I asked them how they felt about their plan. Now, mind you, this was right after we just discussed their, their returns for the year. And he told me this, I absolutely love it. You were right. It's not about those big gains. And they had some great returns in 2017, double digit. But he said, it's not about those big gains. It's about not exposing ourselves to big losses and maximizing our income, right? We have this paycheck that is coming in every month. So we don't have to take big distributions during our market losses. Now, they don't have a pension, right? We developed this income stream for them. And then he went on to share that he had friends who were just stressed out, right? We had a divisive government. And I say had, I mean, like anything has changed, right, Walter? Yeah. I, I digress. Anyways, we had a divisive government. We had pundits yelling chicken little that a crash was near and, and you know, we we're going we to have worse than 2008. And his friends were stressed. And he looked back at me and he just kind of leaned back in his chair and he said, here, we knew the plan. We knew we were invested accordingly and we were fundamentally sound because you built that foundation of income and we had income coming in and I slept well at night. And I have that peace of mind. And, you know, best of all, they actually referred a couple of those friends to me in 2019. And now they are great clients and friends also. So um, that was definitely, you know, a great moment for me because that, you know, I, I tell my clients, I'm not the double digit, you know, next 
Google or Intel, uh, you know, IPO guy. I'm the guy that's here to give you that peace of mind so you can enjoy retirement. That's so important to do that. And uh, John, I know that folks who are listening to the show today, if they haven't worked with you before, they may be starting to think about things like this. Hey, yeah, that, that makes sense. How do I account for some of these moving parts in my life and how I feel about things with the mathematical decisions? Um, am I going in the right direction? Am I making the right choices? For somebody who hasn't gone through that formal financial planning process, I mean, is that a scary thing for people to, to walk down that path? Or how do you walk people through that process uh, at your offices? Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely scary. And and especially for a lot of people that, you know, attend our, our college courses in all of a sudden their eyes are opened up, you know, wow, retirement is completely different. And I tell them my job is not to make you rich. It's to prevent you from being poor, right? We don't want to, we don't want to expose you to catastrophic market losses. We want to make sure you don't outlive your money, but that really can't happen until we know all about you and we know what what you want money to do for you and what is important in your life and why when we get down to those deep deeply rooted levels that's when we can really develop a plan for you and that's when i can really as a a professional come in and say listen we need to change some of the behavior right because the beliefs you had everything that you've done for the last 30 or 40 years while you're working right? We, we need to understand that things are radically different in retirement. And so it's once we have that understanding, and obviously a lot of those, the people that come into my office quickly realize that from the college courses that, wow, man, retirement taxes are different, income's different, investing's different, everything is different. That's when we, you know, can obviously tailor, you know, the plan to their goals and uh, their values. Well, if you are anywhere in the San Diego area and you'd like to come in and discuss and have a conversation with John about your situation, he's got an office on Trina Street, conveniently off of Interstate 15 next to Scripps Ranch High School. Uh, You can get in touch and set up a time to to chat and meet by calling 858-935-6210. See if a review of your financial plan is in order and uh, John will walk you through the steps in the process to get a good look at where you stand right now. 858-935-6210 is that number. And again, the important part of this too is getting that full plan in place so that you can get to and through retirement without concern. GoSecurus.com is your place to go online as well. You can get in touch with us through the website, GoSecurus.com, the place to visit there. Well, it's time to get to know John a little bit better on today's show, one of my favorite parts of the program. It's getting to know you time. All right, good question for you this week. I think I already know the answer, though, based on our conversation earlier today, John, but interested to hear more. What's your favorite sport? Gee, Walter, that would be baseball. (laughs) Kind of stole the thunder of this question earlier, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Hands down, baseball. I lived and breathed it as a kid. Um, Still love it. I mean, as a kid, it was baseball, stickball, wiffle ball, RBI baseball, and Nintendo. I (laughs) I still do fantasy baseball, which is labor intensive, by the way. I mean, baseball is America's favorite pastime. So, yeah, baseball. 
pretty easy choice for you on that one. You'd have to think very hard on that one, right? No. What about uh, what about favorite teams? Well, uh, I'm a native San Diego, and so I am a uh, Padres fan. Yeah, I grew up going to the Murph and, uh, you know, watching the icon, you know, Tony Gwynn play. One of yeah, my favorite players growing up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's phenomenal. And, uh, you know, uh, Trevor Hoffman and, you know, just they, they had a, a bunch of great players. I, I still remember as a kid, the 1984 when we beat the Cubs and, and then got destroyed by the Tigers. And then again, we 1998. Um, when we got destroyed by the Yankees. I mean, Padres luck, and, and really San Diego sports luck. I mean, the Chargers ran up against one of the greatest 49ers teams and got destroyed in about five minutes in their <laughs> Super Bowl. And the, the 84 Tigers and the 98 Yankees were phenomenal. So, But, yeah, Padres, uh, obviously being a hometown boy. And then I've told you this before that I used to spend my summers in Cleveland. So I am an Indians fan, and I had great memories going to the old municipal stadium, which sat about 80,000 people, and there would only be about 5,400 people in attendance. So, <laughs> I mean, the tribe were bad back then. That's that's like when Major League you know, came out, the, the movie came out basically clowning them as an organization. But, you know. We've enjoyed some some good years here recently with them. Obviously, the Cubs broke our heart, you know, with the World Series a couple of years back. And uh, yeah, those are my two favorite teams. And then for the next couple of months, the Rangers, because uh, that's uh, Jake's team that I'm coaching. So we are the Rangers. Oh, nice. So not the actual Texas Rangers, right. but the. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't. I, I like the Texas Rangers yeah. as a team. You like but, every team. Yeah. I, uh, where's the where's the rivalry? Oh, no, no, I do not like the. <laughs> I absolutely hate the Dodgers, the Giants. I don't. I do not like. Not a big Mariners fan. So okay, all right. What about you? You, what, you, you were you were listing team? so many favorite teams. I was like, well, you're just you're going to get a victory every year by liking so many. No, teams. <laughs> no, hey, I'm not a Yankees fan. I mean, I, I mean, I credit the organization there. You know, they've had some class, right. you know, and they've won 27 world championships, as my friend likes to remind me every <laughs> year. But um, yeah. not, not a fan, but not a hater either, it sounds like. Yeah. Okay. Dodgers, uh, Giants, despise. Gotcha. What about you? Uh, I'll keep mine simple. Um, I'm a hockey fan. That's my favorite sport. Uh, I love football too, but hockey is probably my favorite by, by just a hair. And uh, the New Jersey Devils, by far, I would say really my only true team. Um, mm -hmm. I kind of like sports just for the sports in other arenas, but in hockey, there's, that's my one true, uh, team where that's, I'm truly a fanatic is, uh, the New Jersey devils. So that's, so you're that's fanatic. So, so do you paint yourself up like that? Uh, Ooh, was that one Seinfeld oh, Put putty? episode? Yeah, was, uh, he's like the famous, the famous fan putty. As, and that was yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, no, um, I, I don't go that crazy, but, uh, I do, I've got New Jersey devils stuff all over the house and my office and, uh, you know, I definitely get into the uh, the memorabilia, and we try to catch catch games whenever we're passing through New Jersey or uh, when they come through. You know, in any other nearby cities, we try and get out and see some games. So, yeah, nice. That's that's the one that I definitely invest some emotion. We, we talked about emotions today. That's the only team that would actually get me. You know emotionally invested in it to where i'm like oh like actually frustrated when there's a win and a loss and that kind of thing right <laughs> so right that's my team but anyway very cool good to uh, get to know a little bit more about you there john and it sounds like you like most of the local teams so that's that's a good thing too you have ingratiated yourself into the local community 
even I now, have. which is good. All right. And, and and mind you, the Chargers are not local anymore. They are part of LA. I so know. they are they not, are no longer not in our hearts. Welcomed. So, right? <laughs> or no, you've booted them out of your, your mindset. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, gone. That's good. Over and gone. All right. Well it's time uh, speaking of local to get a local question on the mailbag. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. And this week's question, which, by the way, you can submit questions online at gosecurus.com, comes to us from Jerry in Tierra Santa. And Jerry says, I just looked at my social security estimate that shows how much I'll get if I started at ages 62, 66, and 70. And I'm blown away by how much more I'd get at 70. So I'm inclined to just wait until then to start it, even though I'll probably retire around 66 or 67. I'm assuming that putting it off like this is the best course of action for somebody like me. Wow, Jerry, you are the opposite of most of the questions I get on Social Security, right? Most of the people are always wanting to claim at age 62. So that's awesome. So what I'll tell you is I will actually take the same approach I do with those people I want to claim at 62. And that is... It depends on your specific situation. You know, a couple of things. Are, are you healthy? If you're healthy, then may, then yeah. If you're not healthy, then, well, you might as well take it earlier. If your life expectancy is only going to be 10 years, can you afford your lifestyle? And it sounds like you, you may be able to, um, where you don't have to take social security. So, you know, I apologize that there's no real clear cut answer. Um, but generally speaking, income experts and retirement planners like myself will always, generally speaking, encourage you to, to delay till age 70. And the reasons for that is you get that increased predictable lifetime income stream up to 32%, you know, more income than if you would have taken at full retirement age. If you're married, and, and especially if you're the breadwinner and you pass, your spousal benefit will be increased in the event of the death. And, you know, also more importantly, it allows for more time and opportunity to do tax management planning, which is extremely important because once you claim Social Security or Medicare, some of that tax management planning can still be done, but it won't be as efficient. So, yeah, if the circumstances are right for you, then uh, I, I would definitely encourage 70 70 years old. Definitely an increased benefit for you there, Jerry. And uh, at early look, seems like it might be a good option for you. But as with everything, John, it's always good to get a full look at your financial picture before making any decisions. And so, Jerry, or somebody in a similar situation, we always encourage you to come in, have a conversation about not only this particular type of financial thing. Hey, what? How do, should I take my Social Security at XYZ time? Well, it's often going to depend on so many other situations and so many other moving parts. So get a good look at those other moving parts with a full review of your plan. And if you want to do that with John Amarino and the team at Securus Financial, you can do that by calling once again, 858-935-6210 or go online to gosecurus.com. And we'll put links and all the information that you need in the description of today's show. So just look at the description or show notes section of whatever app you're using to listen to the show. Or if you're already on the website, then you know what you're doing and you can get in touch very easily that way. Uh, you can also email John, john at gosecurus.com, the place to get in touch as well. Well, John, this was a fun show. Enjoyed talking a little baseball and sports with you and I'm mixed in with uh, emotions and financial planning. We covered a lot of ground today and looking forward to another good show with you next time. Absolutely, Walter. I love talking baseball and I love talking retirement plans. So 
Can't wait till the next episode. There you go. Have a great start to your spring until then and uh, enjoy. We'll talk to you soon right back here on the Retire Happy Podcast. For John Amarino, I'm Walter Storholt. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on your favorite app so you never miss an episode. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and many more apps out there. So whatever you like to use to listen to shows, be sure to look for the Retire Happy Podcast and subscribe today. Thanks for being with us. We'll talk to you soon. Investment advisory services offered through Brookstone Capital Management, LLC, BCM, a registered investment advisor. BCM and Securus Financial are independent of each other. Insurance products and services are not offered through BCM, but are offered and sold through individually licensed and appointed agents. The opinions expressed by John Amarino and guests on this radio show are their own and are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Past performance cannot be used as an indicator to determine and future results. Any strategies mentioned may not be suitable for everyone. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. Before acting on any information mentioned, please consult with a qualified tax or investment advisor to determine if it is suitable for your specific situation. This program is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with regard to subject covered.